0: Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Mark Godlewski. So great to be back in the house of the Lord. Yay, Victory! Well, I have the privilege and pleasure of introducing my husband of 40 years. (laughs) And I have a special introduction from Pastor Brian. Tonight we have the honor of welcoming Elder Mark Godlewski into the pulpit. We are so very blessed to have both Mark and Kathy as pillars in our church family.
1: Since I am not
0: here tonight in person, let me tell you my top favorite things about Mark. Number one, he treats his wife with great dignity and honor. Number two, Mark is a worshiper and intercessor at his core. Number three, his voracious hunger for the word of God. Number four, his love for the body of Christ and the advancement of the kingdom. Number five, his servant heart in partnering with us at victory. One last thing. Mark is a no-nonsense type of guy, and those are the types of guys I love to run with. Mark, it's a great honor to have you in the pulpit. Bring the word and point us all to the face of Jesus. Let's give a great God bless you and welcome to Mark as he comes tonight.
1: to welcome everybody and uh, online also tonight I want to start out with the first portion of scripture we're going to be turning to is Revelation chapter 8 verses 2 through 5 but before we start (laughs) Tonight's message, um, just over the last two days, has been confirmed to me that we're on the right path, or I'm on the right path anyways, and you can join me. Uh, I had the opportunity to listen to Chuck Pierce last night and this morning, he was at Tim Sheet's. Church, which is the Oasis Church, and if you haven't had the opportunity yet to listen to what he shared, I would encourage you to. It's a timely message. Uh, Also, Kevin Zadai, I believe, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right, but he was on Sid Roth, and he was sharing what God has recently shown him. You know, th- this whole season, you know, we've had a reset here personally at Victory a couple weeks. But the body of Christ is in a season of a divine reset. Amen. And God has given us the opportunity to slow down, to draw close to him, and to hear what he is desirous of doing. In my opinion, things were kind of spinning out of control. Things were happening so fast. Things were changing so rapidly that we needed time to slow down, refocus, and get before the Lord and hear his heart. How are we going to turn this thing back in the right path. And as I was considering what to share, I had kind of a rough week because I'm coming out of this (laughs) funk or whatever you want to call it, (laughs) and my mind was a little unfocused. I had a hard time concentrating, but towards the end of the week, like Friday or so, things started to become uh, a little bit easier to focus on. So tonight what I want to talk to you about is going to be mainly on three different themes that all dovetail together. The first focus point that I'm going to talk to you about is concerning our high priest, Jesus, and his ministry At the altar in heaven. And then we're going to talk about our place. How we, God has called us to be a kingdom, a royal priesthood. He's called us to learn how to overcome and take our place with Him on His throne. That's what He, throughout the book of Revelation, He makes an invitation to the seven churches. And there are promises given to those that overcome. And the promises involve us coming to a place where we in our own lives are submitted to the throne of God as the supreme authority in our life. And when we come to that place, we become an overcomer. And we're invited to sit together with Christ in his throne. God's plan was always to have his people be a kingdom of kings and priests to rule and to reign on the earth. And that invitation has never been rescinded. That's an invitation that God is calling his church to in this season. And if we fail to enter in, if we fail to answer that invitation, there's no other means to turn this whole situation around. The problem in our day is... Enlarge the church has failed to enter in before the Lord as those kingly priests ministering at the altar. The enemy's priesthood has become more efficient in ministering at the altar and releasing their influence upon society than the body of Christ has. And God is bringing us to a place where he's calling us to account and he's calling us to reset, to answer the call. So tonight's message I called, when I was preparing, I called it A Weapon of Mass Destruction. That's what God's calling us to. He's calling us to come to a place where we become proficient as the army of God. We're we're an army, but we're an army of kings and priests who function at the golden altar of incense, the place where the Lord functions. Right now, Jesus is functioning as a high priest over his house. His focus isn't on the world right now. His, because he's already done everything he needs in order for the world to be saved. But his focus is upon us as a people to perfect us and to bring us into unity with him so we begin to operate as efficient kings and priests at the altar of God, and that's where we're going tonight. So, Revelation chapter 8, and I could start with verse 1, but I'll get sidetracked if I do. So we'll start with verse 2, and we'll read verses 2 through 5. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God And to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood over the altar. He had a golden censer, and he was given very much incense, that he might mingle that incense with the prayers of all the people of God, the saints, upon the golden altar Before the throne. And the smoke of the incense arose in the presence of God with the prayers of the people of God from the hand of the angel. So the angel took the censer, he filled it with fire from the altar and cast it upon the earth. Then there fouled peals of thunder and loud rumblings and blasts and noises and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Now I'm a little rusty in figuring out how much time I need. So the first section that I'm going to speak to you about is about the Lord as a high priest. And I'm going to try to rush through that to save time for the last two points, which involves us learning how to minister at the altar of incense in heavenly places, and then how to fulfill our calling to the priesthood. So the last two parts are more applicable to us. And the first part is to set the setting, okay? So I'm going to read a lot so that I can uh, facilitate all that I have here, okay? So, Revelation 8, 2 through 5, to understand the revelation contained in these verses is of eternal importance. For until we understand the revelation contained therein, we will not understand how to be effectual in our ministry as the priest of God. So un- until we understand the revelation contained therein, we will not understand how to function effectively as the priesthood of God. I want to call your attention to the fact that there's seven items mentioned in these scriptures. There is an angel, there's an altar, there is a golden censer. There's incense, there's fire, there's prayers, and there's smoke. And we need to come to an understanding of what these symbolize. Okay, The setting is the holy place, which is the location of the golden altar within the tabernacle of Moses and later on within the temple. The altar was positioned before the veil of the Holy of Holies, the place where the throne of God was located. Over the Ark of the Covenant where God's mercy flowed forth, it was the throne of the mercy seat. The original tabernacle, okay, Moses' tabernacle, this... This is all just a picture, a type, of heavenly realities. Now we see the curtain pulled back in the book of Revelation, and it shows us what actually takes place at that golden altar of incense. The golden altar of incense was made of wood, and it was totally overlaid with gold. So the wood was contained within the gold. It was the tallest piece of furniture in the holy place, which speaks of the highest act of worship possible. That is our praise, our prayers, and our intercession. So it was the highest piece of furniture, which speaks of our highest spiritual service. What we are responsible for, what we are to function in. Okay, sitting on top of that altar, there rested a pan-shaped vessel, which was called the golden censer, on which coals from the brazen altar are burning. So you've got, sitting upon the golden altar, you've got a censer, And there's live burning coals. The coals came from the brazen altar. Picture the room. Picture the Holy of Holies, or the holy place. It's a room where there's no chimney. The smoke completely filled the room, but the smell of that incense was such a smell that every priest desired to minister in that atmosphere. They would not wish to minister without it. There was no sweeter fragrance. That fragrance was produced by the action of fire upon the incense. And this is all by way of introduction. We'll get into the meanings later. But in order to get through this, I've got to kind of run along here. <laughs> okay, the incense was made of four sweet spices. And that's a whole nother subject. But a lot of it had to do with the spices themselves. It had to do with purity, um, being in the depths. There was a sh- shell that was found in the depths of the ocean. There was a free-flowing stacte, it was called, which spoke of the free-flowing spirit of God. It was called liquid myrrh. It was produced in a place of darkness and suffering. So all these spices were characteristics of the ministry of Christ. And that's what was released and filled the holy place, okay? The high priest would fill a censer with fresh coals of fire and put on incense every morning and every evening so that day and night there would be a sweet odor going up before the Lord. That's in Exodus 38. It was called a perpetual incense before the Lord, throughout your generations. So that's a type of us, our continual prayers, going up before the Lord. It's to be a perpetual thing. Our hearts always to be going out towards the Lord. When we find ourselves straying, we have to reset. (laughs) We have to break away from those distractions and turn our hearts back to the Lord, okay? The smoke was ever ascending before the veil. It passed under the veil. It slipped past the sides. And it penetrated into the Holy of Holies, up before the Lord, who was seated upon the mercy seat. And that same picture is given to us in Revelation. With the golden altar, and we'll talk more about that in a bit. Then on the 10th day of the 7th month, the day of atonement, when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies to make atonement, he carried this golden censer in his hand. He placed it on the floor and stood in God's presence and God's power. And then he sprinkled the blood seven times on and before the mercy seat. As he was enveloped in the smoke, his garments would smell of the sweet incense and every part of the Holy of Holies would be filled with it. And the glory and the power of the Lord would be softened by it. Leviticus 16.13 says, And put the incense on the fire in the censer before the Lord that the cloud of the incense would cover the mercy seat that is upon the ark of the testimony, lest he die. So that incense, speaking of our prayers and rising up before the Lord as a sweet-smelling fragrance with the character of Christ is what cushioned them so that they wouldn't die when they entered into that. On the Day of Atonement. Okay, so we saw that there were seven angels in Revelation chapter 8, and there, then it spoke of another angel. The other angel John saw by the altar, having the golden censer in his hand, administrating the whole procedure, is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ was pictured in the Old Testament as the high priest. He's our high priest now, and he functions in that same category. The Lord Jesus Christ, our great high priest, who alone was the one to carry the golden censer in, beyond the veil, into the presence of God in his throne. Hebrews 8, 1 and 2 said. now this main point Of what has been said is this We have a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. Hebrews 9.1 says, Christ becoming a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this material creation. So the whole Old Testament priesthood, the tabernacle, it all pictured the reality of what goes on in the heavenly places. That's why God told him to make sure he made it accordingly because it was a picture of spiritual realities in the heavenly places. Throughout this age, when Christ's body is being formed and perfected, he's the high priest of the redeemed, the blood-washed, spirit-begotten elect of God. So that's where Jesus is now. His focus is upon his body. His focus is to bring us to a place of perfection and unity with him because the whole creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God who will deliver creation. So Christ's focus is not... His main concern is he's living in a place of intercession as our high priest, and his focus is upon us to bring us into unity, to bring us to the place where he, where he is seated on the throne at the right hand of God. He wants to bring us there. He's inviting us. He's beckoning us. And it's essential in this Day and this hour for us to understand what the focus of the Lord is upon. What's His focus upon? What's He centered upon? He's centered upon forming a priesthood who functions even as He does in the heavenly places. And we'll, we'll get into what exactly we release as we come into unity with him in those heavenly places. As we learn to submit to that throne, embrace that throne, come under the authority of the throne. So that authority, as we're submitted to it, it can be le- released in and out of our lives to affect this world all around us instead of the evil ones priesthood releasing their spiritual influencing upon society forming society forming the way that society is going our responsibility is to rise up at, as the priest of god and learn how to minister at that altar because the altar is a gateway. The altar invites the deity that you are serving at that altar to come down and release his presence and his influence upon the region where that altar is planted. And, And the body of Christ, for the most part, isn't really been very effectual in doing this. Because if we were effectual in doing this, society wouldn't look the way it does. Whose stamp is being impressed upon society? What influence, what leaven is permeating society as a whole? I look in my lifetime... Of all the changes, look at abortion, look at prayer thrown out of the schools, and you could go on and on and on. But it's time for the body of Christ. God's given us a space. He's given us a season to reflect. Look around you. See what's happening. What can we do to turn the course that this world's on and it's up to us and, and we'll, we'll get into it I can't get I can get off on so many sidetracks but okay Jesus is our high priest and right now he's functioning his focus is upon us he's looking to raise up a priesthood he's looking to perfect his body so that we come into unity with Him and function in the same ministry that he is functioning in. Okay, Hebrews 2:10 and 11 and verse 17. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they that are sanctified are all of one. We're all of one source. God is the father of our spirits, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Wherefore, in all things that be behooved him to be made Like unto us, his brethren, that he might be a merciful, faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God. And then in Hebrews 10, 19 through 22, here we see clearly that Christ is the great high priest for the brethren. He's our high priest. That's what his focus is on. That's what his ministry is on. Okay, so he's high priest for the brethren, the sons of God, the kings and priests, those who are partakers of the heavenly calling. He is the great high priest over the house of God, made of living stones, the habitation of God by the Spirit, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holy by the blood of Jesus, by a new living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw nigh. So the whole, the whole focus of Jesus right now in the heavenly places is He's ever liveth to make intercession on our behalf so that we can begin to apprehend fully what our calling is what our responsibility is, and it's the same calling and same responsibility he had for man right in the beginning. We were to rule and reign in the earth room. We were to take dominion, okay? He has given the earth unto the sons of men. It's our domain. But we have to learn how to function effectually as priest, inviting his presence, becoming that gateway, like what Jacob said, this is none other than the house of God, the gateway to heaven. We're supposed to be the gateway through which the resources and the influence and the power of the kingdom of God is allowed to come down into our earth into our region and affect and transform it and bring it into the influence coming under the power and the influence of the kingdom of God. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And how are we doing at it? We need to rise up in this day, in this season. God is giving us the time and the chance to reset, to refocus. Okay, I'm gonna skip over some of this because I'm never going to finish. (laughs) So I just wanna say, God is, wherefore, Jesus, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. That was Hebrews 7.25. What does it mean to save to the uttermost young's literal translation says he is able to save you to the very end the amplified bible reads he is able to save you to the uttermost completely perfectly finally for all time and in an eternity the greek words used means into the always It was used only twice in the New Testament, here and one other time. The Greek points out that he's able to save completely. He's able to totally remove the corruption out of our lives and bring us into a place where there's nothing in us, even as when the enemy came to him looking for something in Christ that he could grab hold of, he's able to save us completely to the othermost, and for all eternity. And that's what he is focused on presently. So we have nothing to worry about as long as we cooperate with him, yield to him, spend time at the altar so that we can engage with him Receive the wisdom that's above the enemy's wisdom at this time. We hold the trump cards because God's wisdom trumps the enemy's wisdom at all the time. And that's what we have access to if we will learn how to effectually become that kingdom of kings and priests who learn how to effectually enter into the ministry of Jesus Christ. That's what he's inviting us to. We have such a high calling. Jesus brings many sons into the same glory That he shares. He's inviting us to operate in his power and his authority to minister the kingdom in whatever region he plants us. And the way that happens is we build an altar throughout the Old Testament. It all revolved around the altar. Adam and Eve. There was a sacrifice that allowed them to come back into the presence of God. And on and on, Abraham, every place he went, he built an altar. Why, why did he do that? He built altars because the altar is the gateway to allow the kingdom of God to come down into the earth realm and to displace the influence of the enemy that was in the region, all those ites and all their gods, Abraham, and the children of Israel, they went in and they put their altars and they served the most high God, the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And his power was greater as long as they were faithful to serve the Lord and not serve the idols of the land okay so I gotta gotta move quick here <laughs> okay so our high priest who is Jesus is the symbolic angel standing at the golden altar in the heavenly place There's fire. We talked about this a little uh, in our last Tuesday night session. Where does the fire come from that's upon the altar of God? And we're going to focus in on that right now. The fire upon the altar is the energizing, quickening, Presence and power of God Himself, who is a consuming fire. God lights the fire on our altar. When we're born again, God Himself comes into us, and He is an all consuming fire. He lights that fire, but it's up to the priesthood to keep that fire burning. We have to tend that fire. We have to spend time in God's presence and commune with that fire until that fire ignites the passion and the power and begins to purify our lives. God does the lighting, but who tends the fire? How much influence are you releasing from your life we're called to be the salt we're called to be the light when the salt loses its flavor what good is it be trampled underfoot so it's our responsibility to come before the Lord and keep that fire ablaze in your life if you don't tend to your altar if you don't keep the fire blazing, you start coming under the influence of the altars in the land. You start conforming to this world, to the unholy priesthood who's spouting out and speaking forth, who are mouthpieces of the enemy, who are conforming society to the pattern that the enemy wants. And God has chosen to give in the earth to the sons of man. He doesn't come down and directly challenge and wipe out the enemy because he gave earth unto us. And it's our responsibility by using the altar the place where heaven and earth intersect. It's a gateway. It's a portal that allows that which is in the kingdom of heaven to come into the earth realm and to begin to transform society, begin to influence society, beginning to allow the power of the presence and the fire of God to come into into the earth realm to begin to transform and transfigure the region in which we live in. But in order for that to happen, we have to engage. It's our responsibility. The Lord's done everything he's ever going to do. The work is done. The work is finished. Now it's up to us to apprehend that which is done, that which is finished. And we do that by maintaining our altar, spending time with the Lord, hearing from him, hearing his voice. If you don't, you're left with your own carnal mind. If you're not pressing in, getting before the Lord, hearing from Him, you're left with your own carnal mind, which is enmity to the things of God. Your own carnal mind will begin to doubt what God proclaims is true and a reality. And the longer you walk away, from your altar time, where you come before the Lord and you engage with him, the more successful you are to that carnal mind, to become conformed to the world, to begin to believe the lies and the propaganda that the enemy is spewing out at this time. You know, I'll just digress for a very short moment. Uh, When I was listening to Chuck Pierce this morning, he was talking about in this season, time goes in a circle. We look at time as though it's linear. But with God, time goes in a circle. So we go round and round and round And in this season, it's time to leave behind those places in your life where you find yourself stuck in in a past season. God's beginning to call us to reset, to come back into his presence and to push into the new season that he has to us. What holds us captive to those areas that we get stuck in is our fear and our listening to what the enemy tells us about ourselves. Instead of getting at your altar, engaging the thoughts, engaging the burden as we wait upon the Lord We're one spirit with him. And as you're spending that time in his presence, the lights begin to come on. Your thoughts begin to become aligned with his thoughts. You begin to hear what the spirit of God is saying. He begins to correct you, to fine-tune you, to realign you, to twist your spirit together with his spirit where that oneness that you really are begins to manifest in your life. It begins to come forth. Just as when you came in here tonight and you begin to minister at the altar of God, what begins to happen? God begins to speak to you. He begins to correct where you're wrong. And your thoughts. The lights begin to come on. You begin to start seeing things from his perspective. But it's not good enough just to come once a week <laughs> to the house of the Lord. It's not good enough for you to depend upon your pastor to spoon-feed you Every week. He, he's not with you 24-7. But guess who is? The enemy and his agents. <laughs> so how are you going to combat that? How are you going to hear a voice that triumphs over everything else that's screaming at you 24-7? You've got to come to the altar, commune with the Lord hear his viewpoint, receive his burden, receive what's upon his heart, come into that place of divine exchange where you engage and you encounter the Lord. And he begins to fill your life. He begins to fill your desires. He begins to fill your thoughts. He fills your perception of what is going on out there instead of the enemy. But that's always been our responsibility. But We lose sight of that. Once you lose sight of it and you don't understand your responsibility, your high calling, to be a king and a priest, to come up into the throne room, to submit to the Lord, to embrace his power and the authority of his throne and have that released through your life, we, we lose track. We get sidetracked which I just did. (laughs) Okay. So, God himself sent fire out from himself to consume the first offering to show that he accepted it. The fire flashed from the holiest of all like a bolt of lightning and lit up the fresh sacrifice upon the brazen altar in the outer court. So it proceeded from that altar, the Ark of the Covenant, the throne of God, and it proceeded out and, and consumed the sacrifice upon the brazen altar. The Lord lit the fire the same way he lights the fire in your life. But tend... That altar. Tend to get a, Get that altar blazing, burning Hallelujah. with the fire of God. Yeah. The fire flashed from the holiest of all like a bolt of lightning and lit up the fresh sacrifice upon the brazen altar. Where did the fire come from? It came from the blazing Shekinah glory of God. The fire was God himself. The same fire, divine fire, was to be kept burning continually so that every burnt offering was consumed by that fire that was originally lit from God himself. Okay? This fire, started by Yahweh, was kept burning by the priest, and was carried from place to place, so it could be used to start other holy fires upon the altars. That is why it is such an abomination when Nabab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, lit a fire by their own hands and offered strange fire before the Lord. So that He destroyed them. Thus, it is God Himself who consumes the sacrifice. So we have the fire that comes from God himself, but we have to tend it and keep it burning. Then we have the golden censer. What does the golden censer speak of? The golden censer represents each member of God's elect. For the fire of God resides within the life of every man and woman who has been baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. Then we have the prayers. The prayers offered at the altar are the effectual prayers of those saints who minister as priests in and by the Spirit. From of old, God has had among his people intercessors to whose voice he listened and gave deliverance. As someone has pointed out on one occasion, it strangely said of God, In Isaiah 59, 16, he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Just think about that. You know, God's eyes roam to and fro throughout the earth looking for someone to stand in the gap. Why? Because he has chosen to limit himself to work in this earth realm through man. So if he can't find the priesthood who stands in the gap, who intercedes, he doesn't have a choice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Here we read of a time of trouble when he sought for an intercessor in vain. And he wondered, think of what that means, the amazement of God, that there would be none who loved the people enough or who had sufficient understanding of God's will and faith in his power to deliver to intercede on behalf of others. If there had been an intercessor, he could have brought deliverance. Without an intercessor, his judgment came down. But when it was said of God, he wondered that there was no intercessor. There followed the words, Therefore, his own arm brought salvation unto him. The Redeemer shall come to Zion. God himself will provide the true intercessor. In Christ his Son, of whom it has already been said, he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressor, and he ever liveth to make intercession for us. Christ the head is the intercessor in heaven. We, the members of his body, We are partners and participators with him in the earth realm. Because there was no intercessor, God himself raised up his intercessor company to bring deliverance. Okay, so next we have incense. What does the incense stand for? On many occasions in scripture, incense is a symbol of our prayers. Here, in John's vision of the ministry at the Golden Altar, there is a difference, though. The incense is not the prayers of the saints, but it is offered with the prayers of the saints. The concept is most interesting. It suggests that that the prayers of the saints were laying upon the altar and the angel, the Lord Jesus, our high priest, came with incense to sense the holy things. Incense mingled with our prayers can only be prayer mingled with prayer. prayer of a higher, a purer type mixed with our prayer. All of this declares to us that the incense is the activity of the Holy Spirit in our praying. We're exhorted to pray with the Spirit and in the Spirit. This, with our prayers, is the activity of the indwelling spirit, and it's clearly seen in Paul's admonition where he says, Likewise, the spirit also helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself makes intercessions for us with groaning, which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the word of God. That in the Greek, where it says the spirit, also helps our infirmities. That word in the Greek means, if I can pronounce it right, It's um, sun ballo mean You don't have to focus on that, but you have to focus on the meaning. (laughs) What it means is to lay hold along with, to strive, to obtain with another, helping and obtaining, to take hold with one another, Was laboring, hence to help. So what happens? We got that picture of our high priest in the heavenlies taking incense and mixing it with the prayers of God's people. And we already shared what that was. It's a prayer of a higher order. That's when we start engaging with the Holy Spirit. And what did this verse say? The Holy Spirit helps us with those areas of infirmity. What does he do? He grabs hold of those areas of infirmity together with us. And by him grabbing hold of those weaknesses, those areas of infirmity, as the incense is mixed in with our prayers, the Holy Spirit starts moving in, and he grabs hold of those weak, infirm areas and takes hold of him with his power. And that's how we overcome. And that's how we begin seeing transformation happening in the earth realm. And it's the Lord Jesus exercising his ministry as a high priest who takes the censer, fills it with incense, so he takes a portion of that Holy Spirit and starts mixing it in with us so that we start praying under the unction. We start praying with the mind of God. We start praying, and the strength of the Holy Spirit grabs hold of those areas that we're contending for, and He brings us to the place of victory. Yes, amen. So, why do we neglect our altars? We have such a power, such a transformation available. It's because the enemy lies to us, robs from us, hides things from us, and keeps us in a place of deception. And the only way out of it is to come to the altar, <laughs> get before the Lord, engage with him, have that divine exchange start taking place, whereas his strength fills our weaknesses where the Holy Spirit grabs hold of those areas that we're contending for with his strength, his might, his power, his resources. Picture the Holy Spirit grabbing hold of what you're contending for and giving himself to you to allow you to prevail over all the power of the enemy. Okay, the smoke of the incense, which is scented with the prayers of the saints, speaks of the fragrance of our prayers, which is sent before God as a sweet-smelling Savior, that which is well-pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. If we have prayers without fire and without incense, they aren't very effective. We need the fire of God burning within us and the incense of the Holy Spirit coming together and grabbing hold of those areas in order to be an effectual priesthood. The Apostle James in James 5.16 tells us that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, avails much. That word, effectual fervents, are from one Greek word, which is ener- jail, which is a word that is derived from the English word energize. A better rendering would be the energized prayer of a righteous man avails much. So what does that mean? Who energizes our prayers? The Holy Ghost. (laughs) If you're spending time in prayer, you got to press in and allow the Holy Ghost to grab hold of those things together with you, for he will show you the mind of the Lord. He will download to you the divine strategy and also give you all the strength and all the resources you need in order to be more than a conqueror. The Lord always leads us in triumph if we avail ourselves to that which he has provided for us in order to overcome. Okay? So the energized prayer of a righteous man avails much which means a prayer within a prayer, a voice within a voice. It is only the prayer that is offered on the golden altar of incense, energized by God's fire within our spirit that will ascend as a fragrant odor into the presence of the Lord. The message is clear. Prayer is not really functioning in that realm of the priestly prayer unless it is in the Spirit and by the Spirit. Anyone can pray, God be merciful to me, and the Father, he'll hear that cry. Believers on all levels of spiritual maturity pray, most often for blessings and things, and God hears and answers, meeting many needs. But none of these constitute that high calling of the priesthood that God wants us to participate in as kings and priests where we join the Lord seated on his throne and begin to release the kingdom agenda into the earth realm, to transform it, to advance the purpose and the plan of the Lord. It's up to us. We have a choice. We have to learn how to effectually engage With the Holy Spirit, we have to tend the fire on our altar. And it's as we engage with the Lord, as we meet with him, that that fire begins to burn brighter and brighter within you. If you just go about your day and don't spend time with the Lord, that fire grows very dim. None of these constitute priesthood prayer. Priesthood prayer is prayed by an order of saints possessed of the priestly nature of the Lord and the Lord's priestly heart, those called and chosen by the Lord to be the kings and the priests to reign on the earth. And I missed my scripture reference. That was Revelation 5, 9, and 10. But we're, we're called, we're chosen by the Lord To be kings and priests to reign on the earth. That's our calling. That's our high calling. That's what we were made to be. Sons and daughters of the living God. Many sons brought into the same glory as our high priest. Any kind of prayer may secure a blessing from God. But only priesthood prayer can bring the kingdom of God to pass into the earth realm. Priesthood prayer reconciles men and God. Priesthood prayer sets captives free. Priesthood prayer delivers creation from the bondage of corruption. Priesthood prayer restores all things back unto the Lord again. Priesthood prayer is the ministry from that golden altar. We've got to learn to discern the mood of the spirit. Be sensitive to the times of the spirit. Find the stream of the spirit and flow with it. You guys know that just in praise and worship. You know, you spread your sails, but unless the wind of the spirit comes in, there's no movement for Pray when the incense is mingled with your prayers. I do not hesitate to tell you that more will be accomplished in 10 minutes when you begin to flow in his life. than you spend hours with your mind rambling to and fro (laughs) without engaging in encountering the Lord. Learn this, and you will understand the great secret. If a person is not moved to pray by the unction of the Spirit, he can hardly succeed in his prayer ministry. Except we be quickened inwardly, we cannot pray in the Spirit or by the Spirit. If we would fulfill the divine function of the kingdom of God on earth, let us cherish those moments when the motions of the spirit of God begin to move upon us. The mariner may spread his sails, but the ship cannot go to its destination without a gale of wind. So we spread our sails in our endeavors, but we cannot bring the kingdom of God on earth without the moving winds of his spirit coming upon us. How vital becomes our sensitivity and yieldedness to the motions of the spirit, motions to prayer, motions to intercession, motions to praise and worship. When you hear the sound of the going in the top of the mulberry trees, Then thou shalt bestir thyself, for then the Lord will go before you. So we've got to be sensitive. We've got to cherish those times when the Spirit begins to move upon us. You know, it's like Moses. He could have easily missed that burning bush. He could have walked right along. And that's the problem so many times in the realm of the kingdom of God. The Spirit's voice, as Elijah discovered, wasn't in the earthquake, wasn't in the whirlwind, wasn't in all the loud and flashy things. It was that still, small voice that takes our consecration zone in on in here. You can easily ignore it. You can easily mistake it. That's why you have to continually allow your heart to be turned towards the Lord. If you get so wrapped up in everything that's going on out there and your heart isn't turned towards him, you're going to miss that still, small voice calling you into places when the Spirit wants to move on you and engage with you so that you can begin to function and operate and start changing the society around you. We can't do it on our own, but he doesn't leave us to our own. He hasn't left us an orphan. He's given us the one that comes alongside and helps us if we will only avail ourselves to that. And I'm running out of time. (laughs) The prayers of the saints. The prayers of God elect in the heavenly realms of God's spirit is not a useless exercise. A lot of people wonder, well, what good does my prayer do? It's part of the unfolding of God's purpose. God invites us in to facilitate the unfolding of his purposes in the earth. Many of the Lord's people have missed the importance of prayer in the redemptive, reconstructive, and restorative process of God. Our prayers are important. As we walk in the spirit, in the mind of our great high priest, we will find ourselves praying. For there is a relationship between the decrees of God and the response of God's people. God created all things by a word. God said, let there be, and it was so. That's a creative word. Prayer invites us into a participation in the creative process of God by which the new creation is beginning to be spoken into existence. How does that happen? It's as the incense, the activity of the Holy Spirit is mixed in with it, our prayers, and we begin to perceive and begin to understand and hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And God allows us to begin to release by the spirit of the Lord within us that creative word that goes out and begins to facilitate the creative process of the kingdom of God in the earth realm. He invites us to rule and to reign with him, to be kings and priests. He invites us because he has given the earth to the sons of man he will not come down and directly intervene himself he's waiting on us that's why Jesus focus is on us to perfect us to bring us into that ministry where we start becoming effectual ministers in the king priest ministry the same as which he operates in He sits on the throne, seated at the right hand of majesty, okay? He, as he sits there, he beholds, the same as he did in the earth realm, that which the Father wants to do. And he holds the seven spirits of God. And as he begins to see and perceive the Father's plan, he releases the sevenfold spirit of God into the earth realm. And he's inviting us to take our place with him, seated in the throne, to begin to see and understand What the Father's doing, so that we can speak and decree and begin to release the creative power of the Word of God into the earth realm. Okay. I got so much to share and so little time. Okay, fire. Cast into the earth realm. Revelation 8.5. The angel took the censer. That's our high priest. He took the censer, filled it with the fire of the altar, and cast it into the earth realm. And there were voices, thunderings, lightning, and an earthquake. What does that all mean? Sounds like a bunch of noise and flashing lights. But each aspect of these is spiritual power and forces. As the Lord takes that sensor with the fire, our prayers mixed with the Holy Spirit and releases it into the earth realm. Must have been a trem- tremendous revelation to John to see the scene which immediately followed as our prayers ascended up before God. When you read the book of Revelation, you will find it's all based on a pattern. First, something happens in the heavenly realm then as a consequence as a result of what happens in the heavenly realm certain events then take place in the earth realm here the angel Jesus himself takes the censer of our lives fills it with the fire of the holy ghost from the altar the place of praise, worship, and prayers, and cast that fire-filled censer into the earth. What a picture that is. Our prayers, our praise, our worship ascend in the realm of the spirit. The very coals from that altar that release the fragrance of the holy incense of our spiritual ministry is then cast into the earth. The spiritual and divine fire of God, which takes the cold, hard substance, the incense, transforms it into spiritual fragrance that finds its way arising before the throne into the nostrils of God, is cast into the earth realm and mighty power is released. First, there's voices as the word of the Lord is released, then there's thunderings as the power of God is manifested. Then there's lightnings as divine illumination flashes into the consciousness of men. All this are spiritual dynamics that take place as a result of our entering into our priestly ministry. It's followed by a great earthquake where the carnality of man and the kingdoms of man are shaken to their very foundations. As God moves us to minister in the Spirit, He's urging us to do what is necessary to enable things to happen as they are supposed to happen in the earth realm. As we pray in the Spirit, the fire from the center of our lives is cast into the earth. That fire hastens the day of the Lord. And we learn the purpose of our ministry in the high realm of the spirit and its significance. I'm going to try to, I'm probably not going to get to the last part about our priesthood, but it's taken a little longer than I thought. (laughs) The fire and its purpose. The fire and the censer, which the high priest, Carried was put there to re- reveal the great truth that it is the fire of God that brings change in any realm. The fire of God brings the spirit of purification and transformation into the lives of men. Even as with Isaiah, there was a coal placed on Isaiah's lip, then rain judgment of de- destruction, but the fire brought purification in his life, separating him from those things that were hindering him. The fire of the altar is the very fire which is God himself. It is the fire of glory and majesty. It is the fire that purifies, it transforms, and it glorifies God. Before ascending back to heaven, Jesus said, I came to cast fire upon the earth, and I wish that was already kindled. Just what Jesus meant by this fire, he didn't explain. He did say it was not yet kindled, even though he longed for it to be kindled and that before it could be kindled, he himself would first undergo a baptism of suffering leading to his death. Now by the Spirit, we know what Jesus means. He was speaking of the pouring out and releasing of the Holy Ghost fire, power, and glory, the power of God following his death, resurrection, and ascension. This is where the Holy Ghost fire of God on the day of Pentecost was first cast into the earth by our great high priest at the golden altar. When Jesus said that he came to cast fire into the earth, he was alluding to the very thing John saw in this vision at Patmos. The firstborn son of God initiated the fiery, refining, empowering, transforming of work of the spirit into the earth realm. In the body of Christ, the many brethren, the many sons brought to glory shall consummate the great ministry of reconciliation, redemption, and restoration. Throughout the book of Revelation, we see our God as a consuming fire. God's action is in fire, like his action is in grace. The eternal fire is the truth, the righteousness, the love of God, in a word It's the very nature of God being released in and through his people. That fire, the very power, the anointing, the divine energy, and the heat of our spiritual praise and worship is cast into the earth realm. Trying to figure out to. got way too much stuff. I just want to, I'm going to try to wrap this up close or we'll be here all night. (laughs) What I want to say is that we have to be aware of where we are in the timetable of God. God didn't send COVID-19. But he is using it to put a pause and allow the body of Christ to reflect. Start waking up to what is going on all around you. If he can't see the activity of the enemy that's happening, the insanity, the total lunacy (laughs) of the devil's mind being released into the earth realm and its effects. How does that happen? It happens because he has a priesthood whose ear is attuned to hear what he is saying. And they have many platforms. They have the news. They have social media. One of the biggest ones is the news. So that's the priesthood of the enemy spewing out his garbage and releasing his influence. So God needs his priesthood. You know, in this day and this time, I can't speak for the total body of Christ, but I can see what's going on all around me, which speaks to me that God's people have abandoned the altar of the Lord. They might partake of it in part, In the Old Testament, you had a priesthood. Some of that priesthood was dedicated to the Lord. Some of it was half-baked. They served God, and they also served the altars and the high places. So there was a mixture coming forth. God's looking for a people set apart, consecrated to a priesthood, who submit to his throne and start coming in union with that throne. And as they come under the authority of the throne and what the Lord's saying, they are able to release that authority and start affecting society all around us. That's what the Lord Even before the last few weeks, I was going back in my mind and beginning to reflect what God was doing in our midst. God was beginning to call us forth as a body to have that corporate altar in our midst. We talked about There's a corporate anointing that's different when you from when you are functioning on your own. When we come together, it's like it says, one can put so many. You know, and it isn't just doubled as you add another person. It's multiplied. God wants us to be his royal priesthood. Ruling and reigning in this area. And it starts first with you engaging God and learning how to connect with him at your own personal altar. Spending time with him so you're not programmed by everything out there. You're not hearing. You don't have your radio tuned into the wrong station. <laughs> You got your radio locked on (laughs) to what the spirit of God is saying and you begin to join with him in that priestly ministry. You begin to go into the heavenly places. How do you enter the heavenly places? What does it mean? It means that we come into a place where we are connected and receiving from the spirit of god that's how we see what's going on in heaven that's how we begin to perceive being seated with jesus at the right hand of the majesty in high begin to see begin to understand what the father's doing what he's calling begin to release his righteous decrees Begin to combat what the enemy's doing, saying, evil, you're not going to proceed, not on my watch. Begin to build the wall, stand in the gaps, push back the power of the enemy, have the altar where God can flow through that gateway that you're forming and come into the earth realm and begin to... Function, So I want to call you all. Repair your altars if they're broken down a little. Have the understanding that it's up to you to spend time in God's presence so that that fire that God lit is not just flickering, but it becomes a roaring Blazing fire that you begin to be moved upon begin to engage with the Holy Spirit so that he can be invited into situations grabbing hold of that which needs to change together with you begin to speak and release the creative word of God and begin to see this area Become a place that's under the open heaven of God where heaven comes and begins to press into the earth realm by means of a priesthood that is standing and ministering at the altar and bring transformation to this area. We're running out of time. You know, we're not individuals. God has given apostles. He's given prophets to the body of Christ. And there are those proven apostles. We need to come into a place of alignment where we are able to hear, we all know that this is the decade of pay, the mouth of God. And this decade, that's why the enemy's in such an uproar. Because this is the decade that God declared he's going to download strategy after strategy after strategy. I, I think it was Bill Johnson who said, the enemy likes to sit on the back seat. He doesn't like to reveal himself and come out in the open. But in this season, he's being forced to do that. Why doesn't he like that? Because those that are, even the sleepy ones in the body of Christ, (laughs) have to be totally blind not to recognize the activity of the enemy and not to realize that they have to start Pressing in and becoming engaged with the Lord. Being a channel, a conduit, being a gateway, even as this is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to the kingdom. That's what we're supposed to be. What did Jesus say? My Father's house is a house of prayer for all nations. Why? Because it's... a that time of prayer, that ministering at the altar that allows us to be the gateway. That the power and the resources and the influences out of the heavenly realm begin to register in the earth as we become effectual in our priestly ministry before the Lord. I think that's a good place to end it. Got to end somewhere. (laughs) So, Father, we come before you tonight and we ask that you would draw us apart, that you would begin to speak to us and show us how to repair, first of all our own individual prayer altars, Lord, where we might come to a place of engaging with you, having the incense of the Holy Spirit's prayers mixed together with ours, that we might begin to release the creative word of God into this region First of all, in our own homes, in our own families, in the places where we work. And then, as we come together as the body of Christ, to build that corporate altar. Lord, where we all join together, seek your face, hear from heaven, and be invited into the creative process of releasing your word your judgments that which you are speaking as a creative process to transform this region to bring it into alignment to bring it into agreement with the kingdom of heaven that your will be done and your kingdom come and begin to manifest itself, begin to overturn the schemes and the plot of the enemy, and bring us into the place of destiny, the place of victory, the place of the overcomer who functions from the very throne room of God in unity with our great high priest, Jesus Christ. So, Father, I ask during this week that we begin to become attuned to the wounds, to the still, small voice of your spirit calling us into a place where we come aside, commune with you, receive your mind, your heart, that which you are saying, Lord God, and begin to become a voice that will affect this region, that will begin To see the kingdom of God come in power, come in demonstration, and see the enemy's kingdom be brought to naught. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.